Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Well, if you have a copy of scripture, we would encourage you to take that out at this time, if you would. And I want to read a passage of scripture that comes to us out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we take this moment, and we want to place it in your hands, and we thank you, Lord, for your presence amongst us. We thank you, Lord, for a time of worship that we've had. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to open up your word and speak into our lives. And I pray, Lord, today that every single one of us would leave this place differently than when we first came in, Because we've allowed your Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts. Lord, challenge us, encourage us, strengthen us. Do what you want to do within my life and the life of each one of us today as we look at your word. We ask that it will be done in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. Jesus gave a call forward to people that was very simple. He said to them, come, follow me. Three simple words. Come, follow me. Sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity and we need to boil it down to the basics on a regular basis. As Jesus called Simon Peter and Andrew first and he said, come follow me. He said the same thing to James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Come, follow me. We see it in other places in the New Testament where Jesus reached out to Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, and he said, come, follow me. He even said it to people who didn't follow him. You know, I think about the rich young ruler who went to Jesus one day, and he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and Jesus got a dialogue going, and and Jesus is a master at getting dialogues going. And he started talking about the Ten Commandments. And... Even the rich young ruler, sometimes we throw him under the bus. But the fact is, is he said, you know, I've lived a disciplined life. I've kept these commands. And with compassion in his heart, Jesus looks at this guy and he says, there's one thing you're missing. Go sell everything you have. Go uncomplicate your life. Give it to the poor. And then come follow me. Unfortunately, that rich young ruler went away sad because he was very wealthy, as the text says, and he chose not to follow what Jesus said, and so he didn't become a follower of his. Yet in this room today, my hope is that you want to, either you are already or you want to become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I want to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Right? It's in your heart to want to do that. And as I think about Christianity It's really more about a relationship than it is about a religion. Though we come to 
church on a Sunday like this and we worship the Lord and there's organization to it, the fact is it still comes down to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That the living God chose to leave heaven and he came to earth, he put on human skin for you and me. We celebrate that every Christmas season. That he went to a cross, that he willingly laid down his life for you and me, that we could have the hope of eternal life. What an amazing thing that the God of this universe loves you, he cares about you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. That's how much he loves you. He cares about you. And so today, as we think about following Jesus, I want to look at four simple thoughts. Take notes if you want to along the way. And the first thought, as we need to become better followers of his, following Jesus means you love him the most. That you love him the most. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, it says in verses 37 and 38, anyone who loves their father or mother more, everybody say more. more. Say it again, more. more. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus isn't telling us not to love people. In fact, we know that one of the Ten Commandments is to honor your father and mother, right? And so it's important that we, we honor those relationships. We love the people around us. But Jesus is saying that we need to not love other people more than we love him. We need to love him the most. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. See, in our culture today, I believe that there's a lot of spiritual people seeking for spiritual answers, and they may be seeking it in the wrong places. And they may even have a, a, a dabble of Christianity where they love to come to Jesus as the, the tinker bell in the sky who, God, can you just like sprinkle a little pixie dust over my life of blessing? Or they look to God as the Santa Claus of the sky of, God, when I need you, can you give me some gifts? Because I, I need some good gifts along the way, but, but please keep your distance. I like to call it the end God, A-N-D, end God, we, plus, plus God. We want to add God to it. We want to add Jesus to the mix. We want to live our own life, but we just want a little bit of Jesus along the way. And we need to get beyond that. And unfortunately, sometimes I even see it creeping into the church amongst Christians. That, God, we're good with how our life has been blessed. Don't, don't bother me with too many things. Look, can, can you just kind of give me some good gifts along the way? And I'm, I'm great. And yet that's not how it is. Because Jesus said, anyone who loves a father or mother, a son or daughter, anyone, we could even broaden it out more than anyone who loves other things more than Jesus is not worthy of me, Jesus says. So we need to get away from the end Jesus, the end God, and we need to go Jesus first. We need to go God first, don't we? We, we need to say, Lord, I'm going to put you at the center of my life. I'm going to make this a choice to be all in. I'm not going to sit on the fence any longer. Maybe there's some fence sitters today that, that sometimes you, you, when you're in church, you love being in church. But on Friday night or on Wednesday afternoon, you like being in the world. And, and we need to get beyond that, don't we? We need to make a choice today who we're going to serve and we need to serve Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. God is calling us to be all in. 
Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 39 says it this way. Teacher, he was asked one day, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all, everybody say all. With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we take the Ten Commandments, we take it all, what has been given to us, and we boil it down. Jesus boiled it down to two things. And he said it starts with, I call it the vertical relationship between us and God. The more that we get this right, the easier it'll be for us to get this right, won't it? And there's a lot of people in the world that are trying to get this right, but they don't have this right. And so they don't understand how to really love people well because they don't have this right. And so my challenge is for you today to be all in for Jesus, to love him more than anything. To be all in means that we love him the most. A second thing that we need to make sure that we're doing as we follow Jesus is that we, when we follow Jesus, it means that you die to self. You die to self. Let me tell you a story. When I was uh, born on the day after Christmas, 1962, on the East Coast, I lived uh, my first 17 years in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My dad was an executive for Scott Paper Company. And... I thought my life was turned upside down in a bad way when dad one day said, we're moving to Washington. And I thought that meant about two and a half hours away. <laughs> no, 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 wrong Washington. We're moving north of Seattle. I said, you gotta be kidding me. I was, I was literally like a week earlier just voted captain of a second varsity sport in high school. I played, I played trombone in the marching band. Love seeing, love seeing instruments up here today. And uh, I thought life was, this is awful. Are you kidding me? How many of you know when you think life is awful, God's got your back? So we moved west. Go west, young man, right? So we moved west. And I graduated from high school in Everett, Washington, north of Seattle, if you're familiar with that area at all. And uh, it was my senior year in high school. And I was planning to become an, an orthodontist. My cousin was a dentist. And I know of no poor orthodontists in the world. <laughs> Just saying. I didn't want to, like, drill people's teeth. How many of you have ever been to the dentist and you hear that sound as you walk through the door? Thank you for that groan. I appreciate that. <laughs> I understand that. And... and uh, I didn't want to do that, so I thought I'll, I'll straighten people's teeth, and that'll be fun because everybody walks away with a nice smile, and you know I'm the good guy, right? So I thought this will, this will be great, and I love Jesus. I'll be a lay person at church, you know, back many years ago. I'll teach a Sunday school class, maybe become a board member someday. Who knows what will happen? But you know, I'm in. It's a great plan, right? How many of you know that sometimes your plan is not God's plan, right? And uh, I had some math homework in front of me. I was in my bedroom. This is January of 1981. I'd already been accepted at Seattle Pacific University in kind of a, a pre-dental track. And, and so I, I had this plan. And uh, here's my theory on math. Math is difficult for everybody at some point in time. Whether it's algebra, geometry, 
trigonometry, analytic geometry, calculus, differential equations, at some point in time, it's going to get difficult. And that was my night, January of 1981, as I had second semester calculus in front of me, and I had no idea what I was looking at. And I remember pushing it back and starting to pray. And boom, God entered the room. In much the same way, I'm speaking to you, God talked to me. And he called me into ministry. It was a powerful moment. I spent about an hour with God that night. It was midweek, January 1981. I remember as that time came to a close, as the Lord is saying, John, I have something different in store for you. I want you to follow me. I'm calling you into ministry. It took that because of my respect for ministry and pastors and you just don't go do it. It's something that God needs to put a call upon your heart to do. I remember talking to my parents and I grabbed both of them at about nine o'clock on a midweek night. My bedroom was downstairs. I went upstairs and I said, hey, mom, dad, I need to talk to you. Can we meet in the living room in five minutes? Now, how many high schoolers say to their parents, I need to talk to you at nine o'clock at night in the living room of your home. So they looked at each other like, what in the world's going on? And I said, I began to explain the story. And I said to them, God just called me in ministry. Mom immediately, both of them are Christians, mom immediately burst into tears. Oh, this is amazing. You know. <laughs> My dad even got a little misty-eyed himself, right? And I got done telling the story, and mom looks at dad, dad looks at mom, and they say to each other, Can we, should we tell him the rest of the story? Now, I'm looking at them going, what do you mean at this point? And they said, your nana, who lived with us, my maternal grandmother, who named me, John, after her brother and the disciple, Prayed, so the story has been told. Prayed every day until she died that God would put a call on my life for ministry. The power of a praying parent or grandparent for kids cannot be underestimated. Moving the hand of God, my, my grandmother Love the Lord. She touched the heart of God. I didn't stand a chance kind of thing. And I share that story with you because there are times where God does stuff. Maybe, you know, your story is different than my story. But the fact is that we all have a story. And God does stuff in our lives, and he, he, wants, he wants to pull us in. He's never wanting to push us away. He wants to pull us in. And as I think about being a follower of Jesus, there's a point where all of us have to make some tough decisions. Are you going to follow what God wants you to do, or are you going to do what you want to do? And you've got to be willing to check your agenda at the door and follow Jesus Christ and be all in for him. It's a choice 
that we need to make. Now, it may not be as dramatic as what I have just shared with you, but the fact is, is that we all come to places where we have to make these tough decisions. And my challenge you, to you today, if you're going to follow Jesus well, not only do you need to love him most, but you also need to die to self. You need to take what you think is best, and you need to put it on the altar and say, God, it's not about what I want. It's always about what you want. It's a choice that we need to make. Matthew chapter 16, verses 23 through 25 says it this way. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must, everybody say must, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. We sing a song, maybe you sing it here. The song, the phrase goes, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. That really needs to be the prayer of our hearts. Lord, I'm gonna make room for you to do whatever you wanna do in my life. Lord, tomorrow, if you call me to the mission field to be a missionary in Africa, I will go. I will follow whatever it is you are calling me to do. We need to get to the place where we say yes to the Lord. Can I get amen? amen. See, the problem is, is that there's a lot of people who, when they initially come to Jesus, they come to Jesus for what they get. And I understand that. When you come to Jesus, you, you get, you receive salvation. You, you receive the grace of God. You, you receive some blessings. But as we grow up in Christ, we need to move away from a consumer mentality and move towards a contributor mentality. We need to move away from, God, I'm going to church today for what I get, and if I don't get something, I'm going to find a different church because I didn't get what I needed right now. Because you're making it about you in that moment. We, we need to be able to come to church, and, and I understand there's, there's weeks that we have where, where we've had a bad week and we need to receive from the Lord. I get it. And maybe that's where you are today, so don't feel guilty about that. But if that's 365 weeks out of the year, there's a problem to that. Because God is calling us to a place where we now start contributing back. We are part of his kingdom, part of, of his army, part of, part of a, a group of saints that have been saved as, from sinners. Now we are saints and we are now being mobilized to do the work of ministry that God has called us to. Amen. God is wanting us to be willing to die to self and to move on. Third, that as I think about our relationship with Jesus, that following Jesus means that you change your priorities. Your priorities change the more that you know him. Jesus, Jesus is the greatest example of all. And I, I think about the moment where in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verse 42, where Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane Think about it for a second. Let's just set it up. As he's in the upper room, and as everyone's coming his way, his disciples are coming his way, there's no one there to, to wash the disciples' feet. So Jesus takes off his outer garment, wraps it around his waist, takes a towel in a basin, and starts washing the disciples' feet. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not, like, really into washing people's feet. Maybe you are. We won't even go there. But in addition to that, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus knew in that moment, because he revealed it not that much later, that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. And so here's, here's a powerful moment of Jesus doing not only a servant thing, but doing an absolutely amazing thing where he's not only washing the disciples' feet, 11 of them, but also the guy who's going to, so to speak, stab him in the back a few hours later. Jesus modeled it well for us. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes his friends with him, his disciples, and, and he says, keep watching and let's pray together. And he goes off to a solitary place and he prays. And as it's recorded there in a the text, he says, Father, if you are willing, may this cup be taken from me. It's amazing that as we pray, and, and you know, I don't know about you, but I tend, to, I tend to think of Jesus more on the divine side than the human side a lot because of the amazing miracles that have taken place and all the things that he did. But we got to remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And, and the human side of him, just consider the reality of this. He didn't want to have to die. I mean, who wants, to, who wants to volunteer and go, I will die the most brutal death of its day? Oh, yeah, sign me up, right? Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. And so he's saying, Father, if, if, it is, if you're willing, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. If we go to Matthew's gospel, we'll see it again illustrated where actually two different prayers and the prayers start to change a little bit. Isn't it interesting sometimes as you pray, you start praying a little differently. Has that ever happened to you? That, that the more you pray about something, the more that God changes the way in which you pray about it. And that's what even Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, fully divine yet fully human, is praying, if it's possible, may this be going a different direction. He was willing, obviously, to follow through with it. It's an amazing, amazing gift. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did upon the cross? Aren't you thankful for that? Where would we be today without Jesus? Sometimes, as we think about changing our priorities, it's not about only what you give up, but it's also about what you commit to. So sometimes God is saying, I want you to give some stuff up. There was a point in time in my life, I had to put my golf clubs on the altar. I'm just, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Here we go, right? I had to put my golf clubs on the altar because I love playing golf. And it's like, Lord, if you don't want to play golf anymore because it takes up a lot of time, I won't play golf anymore. And God said, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. I said, thank you, Lord, right? <laughs> so thank you, Lord, right? And yet we need to be willing to give stuff up. But we also then, we, we need to be willing to commit to certain things. So I get a phone call while I'm pastoring in Victorville. It's about two years into it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how much you know about that church. The church had gone through a church split when we went there. And uh, I'll, I'll just quickly say, I had friends tell me, run from Victorville as fast as you can. 
And I had some friends tell me, you are designed to do this. And even amidst what your friends say, what you need to hear most is what God says. And God said, I, I want you to go in there. So I left the green of Seattle to go to the brown of Victorville. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In fact, I'll just tell you real quick. The, the day that we got voted in, it was October, uh, September of 2006. Rhonda and I were standing there. This dear old lady in the church, wonderful lady. She's, probably, she's now in heaven. And, and she came up to me and she said, Pastor, you're going to love it here. It's amazing. There's shades of brown everywhere. <laughs> but 15, 15 years later, I was still trying to figure that one out, but you know, it's just, it, was, it was awesome. Great lady. And uh, we went there. And then I get a phone call about two years into it. And I get a call from our superintendent, it was Ray Rachels at the time. Uh, they were just at the time of transition as Pastor Rich is stepping in and and they're here like, hey, we need some help with a couple of churches that are near you, one in Apple Valley, the other one in Hesperia, and they can't afford a pastor. Can you help them out? I said, sure, what do you want me to do? And, and they said, we're doing this new thing called parenting. And I said, okay. So I remember taking it to the board. We talked about it, and, and we said yes. And we took one of our staff pastors. We sent him out to Apple Valley, and, and lo and behold, the thing starts turning around, and starts to grow and good things are happening. Now the church is running 500 people today. It's a great thing. The one Hesperia was even more broken than it was in Apple Valley, I'm just saying. And they're running 275 today. And this is not about patting myself on the back. This is all about telling you the story of when, I, when we left there, it was now at 15 campuses. So we had planted seven, we rescued seven, and we had the main campus. And and I share that with you because none of that would have happened if we weren't willing to change some priorities. See, my prayer for you as a new pastor comes in, and I will be praying for you and with you until that day happens, is that your pastor is going to have great big faith. Your pastor is going to be an amazing person of God. Your pastor is, is going to be able to lead you, and you're going, you're going to find a brand new season of ministry at BFA that you haven't seen for a long time. That's my prayer. And I believe that our God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ever ask or imagine, is going to come through. I believe that. And so it's important that we are willing to not get tunnel visioned because it would have been easier for me to say, you know, I'm working on a church that had been split and now I'm trying to just walk with it. Can you call me back in another 10 years? But when you sense God nudging you, 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 you need to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. That may be with the big decisions, but it's also with the everyday stuff. It's, it's with the moment that, that you're driving along the road and all of a sudden it just seems like God pops this idea in your head that, that you need to start praying for your neighbor two doors down. Or, or maybe you need to bake some cookies to the neighbor three doors down. And, and I'll give you my address if you want to. No, it's just kidding. So, you know, we, we just need to say yes 
to the things that God wants us to say yes to. Really important. Which leads me to point number four, and I'll wrap it up. That following Jesus means that we love him the most. It means that we die to self, but it also means that we change our priorities. We change our priorities. And fourth, it means that we re-engage after we mess up. How many of you in your life have ever messed up? Raise your hand. That's not bad. Okay, let me try one more time. How many in your life have ever messed up? Raise your hand. That's good. If you did not raise your hand, liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Right? Because we've all messed up. Right? The Bible says it. The all have sinned and come short of glory of God. Right? We've all messed up at some point in time. All right. Peter messed up. And so I want to take us to the last chapter of the Gospel of John, where Peter says to Jesus before all of this had taken place, Lord, I'll never deny you. It's not going to happen. He had a good heart, but he didn't know his heart as well as Jesus knew his heart. And before the rooster crowed, as we all know the storyline, before the rooster crowed, Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter feels awful. The Bible says that he left and he wept bitterly over the whole thing. I mean, he knew it. Man, I blew it. I messed up. There's guilt, there's shame, there's all sorts of stuff. And I want to remind you that when you mess up, it's a ploy of the enemy to push you aside because Jesus always wants to pull you in. He always wants to pull you in. And so we pick it up in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Let me read the text and then we'll explain it. It says, when they had finished eating, they're on the beach. These guys who are fishermen, they revert back to what they know, they go fishing. And said, when they finished eating, they were on the beach. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went to where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. So let's explain it. As we know in the, in the Koine, the Greek text, we know that there's different words for love, of which it's only translated love in the English language, and so we lose something in the translation. So let's put it back in the Koine Greek for just a quick second. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you unconditionally, do you agape, agapao is the word, the verb that's used there. Do you love me unconditionally? He's trying to pull him in. And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Peter uses the word phileo, phileo. In other words, I love you, Lord, I love you like a brother. In my mind's eye, I have Jesus pausing for a second. Kind of going, 
Okay. Let's try this again. Jesus is trying to pull him in. Do you love me unconditionally, Peter? I love you like a brother. So Peter, let's, let's try this one more time. So Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You, you know that I love you like a brother. Same thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes as we deal with life, we get hit with stuff that really does affect us. And we can't respond the way God would want us to respond. And here's the cool thing is that even when we can't, Jesus doesn't turn his back on you. He's wanting to pull you in. And so by asking the questions, he's trying to identify, really, Peter, where are you right now? Put it into words. I want to hear your heart. And Peter says, I love you like a brother. Okay. Okay, Jesus says. I said, this, this, this is how my mind goes. And, and then so Jesus asks him a third time. Okay, Peter. Do you truly... Third time, do you truly love me like a brother? Jesus changes the question. The first two times, he's trying to pull, he's trying to pull Peter in. He's trying to pull him up to where he wants him to be. And Peter can't get there. And it's just like Jesus. It's just like the Lord to come all the way your direction to meet you exactly where you are. And so Peter gets asked the question, do you truly love me like a brother? Because if that's, Peter, all you can say right now, let's start there and we'll build off of it. And Peter responds the same way, third time, Lord, I love you like a brother. Today, I don't know where you are spiritually, but I know God wants to do things in every single one of our lives. And for us to be followers of Jesus, we need to love him the most. We need to be all in. We need to be willing to die to self because it's not about you. It's never about you. It's not about what you want. It's always about what he wants. We need to be willing to change our priorities. We need to be willing to walk down a road of saying, Lord, help me get back on track when I mess up. Today, as we bow our heads, I'd like us to do a little bit of spiritual inventory. And so would you just bow your head with me across this room? And as you do so, there are many of you in this place. You have made the decision to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You've already done that. It's an amazing thing. That's an awesome thing. But there could be some of you in this room today that you're not sure exactly where you stand. And I want to help you to make sure that you settle this thing right now right in this moment. There are people in this room that are praying for you. And I promise you, I am not gonna embarrass anyone in this room. I'm not gonna single you out at all. But as we just bow our heads in God's presence today, if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your life, if you want to 
not only follow him well, but you want to start with that relationship today. I want to pray for you. Jesus came into this world and died upon a cross to take away your sin and mine. Jesus became the savior of the world. And as you have messed up that sin, that sin puts a barrier between you and God. And the only way for you to get rid of that barrier is to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. You can't do enough good things to make up for that. You can't give enough. You can't be enough. You can't do enough. It's only putting your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ that provides for you the hope of eternal life. And today in this moment, in the quietness of this moment across this room today, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life, again, I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. I am not going to embarrass you one bit. But in the quietness of this moment, would you be bold enough to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand wherever you are and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? I want Jesus as my Savior, the Lord of my life. Thank you. I see one hand. I see two hands. I see three hands. I see four, five, six. Is there anyone else today? Seven. Thanks for your honesty. Is there anyone else today? Most important decision of your life, this is it. I see eight hands. Is there anyone else? Nine, ten. Thank you. Eleven, twelve. I'll wait a moment. I see 14. You want to invite Jesus into your life? I see 17 hands. Is there anyone else? It's between you and God, but this is the most important decision you'll ever make. Trust me, I see 19 hands. Anyone else today? 20, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I want to lead us in this prayer. And as you've raised your hand, you're going to be inviting Jesus into your life. The relationship with Jesus starts in this prayer. And the really cool thing is you're going to be asking him to take away your sin and give you eternal life. And I'm telling you today, in a sense, eternal life begins for you today because of the prayer that you're going to pray. We're going to all pray together to make it easier for these 20 or so that have raised their hand. But as you do so, invite Jesus in. Let's all pray together, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die upon a cross to forgive us of our sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I put my hope and I put my trust in you. Please forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise today, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Before I hand it back over to Pastor Nathan, there's one more question I want to ask you, and it begs to be asked today. Off of a message like this, how many of you sitting here today would say, you know what? I not only want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to follow him more fully. I'm not, I'm not fully satisfied in my followership, if I could say it that way. I want to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are today, I don't care whether you're three, you're 93, you're 33, or you're some other age in this room. 
If that's where you are today, we're not going to bow our heads. We're just going to ask, if you want to become a better follower of Jesus Christ, would you just stand to your feet right now? I want to pray for you. Look across the room. Sometimes what the enemy does is he, he gets you feeling like you're the only one. You're in this with an army of other people. There's, there's a community of believers here at First Assembly. You're in this together. Don't let the enemy isolate you and let you think you're doing this all by yourself because you're not. We're better together, amen? amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, for everyone who's standing here in this room today, I pray that you would touch us, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, that you would continue to speak into our hearts. And Lord, help me, help all of us who are standing to follow you more fully, to do it on Monday morning, to do it on Wednesday afternoon, to do it on Friday night, to do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. May we be all in, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for being our strength. Thank you, Lord, for being our rock and our deliverer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding and directing us every single step of the way. We pray, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give guidance and wisdom to each one of us as we make decisions in our lives. May we be truly led of you. And Lord, as a result, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name, for you are amazing. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.